Many people have spent their entire lifetime searching for enduring, lasting, real, peace. Pastor Broom reminds us in this sermon from the Gospel of John, that this peace is not only available, but is freely found in Jesus Christ. Tony Broom Ministries brings to you this message entitled, The Peace of Jesus. Many times in the Bible, you read statements like, Peace from God our Father. Grace be to you from God our Father and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Many times in his epistles, Paul started out that way. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about the peace of Jesus. He gives us peace in the midst of our storm. He gives us peace when life throws us a curveball. He gives us peace no matter what's going on. John chapter 14, verse 26, 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace is connected with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit deals with our heart. Even before we come to Christ, He convicts us of our sins. He convicts us and He lets us know that we're not living right. We're not doing right. And we're not right with God. And then when we get saved, He comes into our life. He makes His abode with us. And He brings in the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. We have peace with God and peace with each other. We are justified by grace through faith. And therefore, as a result, we have peace with God and peace with one another. Your life may have been a turmoil before. Your life may have been a mess before. I think all of our lives have been a mess in sin. But now that Jesus came in, He brings love, He brings peace, He brings joy. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, and joy, and kindness, and gentleness, and long-suffering. It all comes down to faith and self-control, temperance, and it's all because of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is connected with peace. One of the benefits of being right with God is having the Holy Spirit in your life, and along with that comes the peace of God. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what crazy decisions people in office or people in our world make, it doesn't change the fact that God's Word is still the same. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus is still Lord, and we still have peace. Jesus leaves us His peace. He said, my peace I leave with you. He said, I'm not going to stay always. I've got to go back to the Father, but I'm going to leave you something. I'm leaving you my peace. I can't leave you my cup that I used at the Last Supper. I can't leave you my garments that I had on, but I can leave you my peace. My peace will stay with you when all those artifacts are done away with. We've heard stories of how people thought that they found the cup that Christ used at the Last Supper. And they revered that cup so much that they put their teeth in it. They did anything they could do to try to touch that cup. They thought, if I could just touch that cup, maybe I'll be healed. Maybe I'll get my eyesight back. Maybe I can walk again. Well, I can see a connection in that. 
But the thing is, you don't have to touch a cup. You don't have to even touch the garment like the woman in the Bible did. It wasn't the garment. It was the man who had the garment on. That was what was the real thing. It was Jesus. Not just the garment, but Jesus. When she touched the garment, she touched Jesus. And healing came to her. Peace, He said, I'll leave you. My peace, I'll leave with you. Jesus is not here in the flesh anymore. But His peace is with us just as much now as it was when He was on earth. If not more so, through the presence and power of the Holy Ghost, we have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Jesus gives us His peace. He said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Every born-again child of God has at least one gift. You know what it is? It's the peace of God. He gives us peace. He said, my peace I give unto you. He gives you peace. You don't have to search for peace. You don't have to try to find peace. You don't have to be like the song that said, I can't get no satisfaction. Because when you come to Jesus Christ, He is your satisfaction. He is your peace. He gives you peace. He gives you joy unspeakable and full of glory. The peace of Jesus settles your heart and calms your fears. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Well, you might say, well, how in the world can you not let your heart be troubled? How in the world can you not let it be afraid in a world of turmoil and confusion that we're living in now? I'll tell you how you can let your heart be settled and not be afraid. It's because of the peace of God, the peace of Jesus Christ. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. His peace settles your heart and calms your fears. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Word of God brings peace. He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. The Word of God, every time you hear Him speak, every time you read your Bible, Every time somebody reads the Bible to you, every time the minister preaches the Word of God, the Word of God brings peace in the midst of your confusion. It brings peace in your life. The Word of God is peace. He said, I have spoken these things to you that in me you might have peace. The Word of God brings peace. The peace of Jesus helps us to overcome the world just as He did. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. He's not talking about the tribulation period. He's talking about the hard times that everybody has. I don't care if you're a king, if you're a pauper. I don't care if you're a saint or you're a drunk. All of us have hard times. All of us have afflictions in life. There are things in this life that everybody experiences hard times. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But then he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Because He has overcome the world, we can overcome the world. The peace of Jesus helps us to overcome the world just like He did. Every time Jesus spoke to the disciples in John's Gospel after the resurrection, He always included peace. John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace, be unto you. He could have said anything. He could have said, How you doing, Joe? Where's the water, Jack? Where's the bread, Jill? He could have said anything he wanted to, but he came and he appeared to them, and the first thing he said was, Peace be unto you. He spoke peace to them. 
After the resurrection, every time you find him speaking in John's gospel, it always has to do something with peace. Peace be unto you. The first Easter resurrection day sets the standard for the Christian observance of Sunday as the Lord's day for public worship and private relaxation, rest, and reflection. The first day of the week, it said they were assembled for fear of the Jews and the disciples were together. The doors were shut and it was the first day of the week. It sets the standard. We worship God every day, but on Sunday is the Lord's day. And it started way back there right after the resurrection. Jesus resurrected from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning. And they started worshiping as a church on the first day of the week. They had always worshiped on Shabbat on Saturday, on the Sabbath. And now it's Sunday, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And they were assembled and He appeared to them and He spoke to them and said, Peace be to you. And we can rest in Him. America used to have the blue laws. They used to rest on Sunday. And now Sunday is an aggravation day for them. They want to mow their grass. They want to cut down trees. They want to weed eat. They want to do everything that they can on Sunday. They don't get to do the rest of the week. And it's costing us. We're bodies and minds and hearts are paying the price because of it. God is not so concerned and confined that we keep a certain day, but His principle of Sabbath still works. God has made us to where we need one day of the week to rest and recoup and regain and recoil and get things together again. And He's made us that way. And when we don't do what God said do, we are the ones who pay the price for it. When He had said this, when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The proof of resurrection and the person of Christ still makes his disciples glad. He was the proof. He is the person. I have arisen from the dead. I have appeared to my disciples. And they were glad when they saw the Lord. It's like the minister who got a note from the deacons. And the note said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Well, that made him mad because he said, what do they think I am? Who do they think I am? Don't they think I'm preaching about Christ enough? He said, I'll show them a thing or two. Man, he got his message together. Next Sunday morning, he preached about Jesus. He talked about Jesus. He stomped his feet and he clapped his hands and he preached about Jesus. And then he found a note that week that said, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. So there it is. That is the same thing now. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It's a glad thing. It's a good thing to experience the goodness of God. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. He said it two times at least in this passage. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Peace is necessary to carry out the great commission effectively. You have to have peace. If you're always fighting, if you're always in turmoil, and I know that we have to fight the devil sometimes. But if you spend all your Christian life fighting the devil, telling the devil, declaring to the devil, saying this about the devil, you're talking more about the devil than you are God. Have more focus and attention on the devil than you do God. And if that's all your Christian life, you cannot effectively carry out the gospel because all of your energy is being spent fighting the devil. The devil's already defeated in Jesus' name. You don't have to fight him all the time. Yes, you do have to resist him. But he's already defeated. Why beat a dead horse to death? He's already dead. Why fight an enemy that's already been killed? He's already been defeated. 
Satan is not put all the way down yet. But he's defeated. We know through the power of God that he's already been eliminated. He's already been defeated by the Christ and the cross of Calvary. And he's already defeated. All we got to do is resist him, keep on walking, keep on marching, keep on fighting for the Lord. When he had said this, that is, when Jesus had said that, peace be to you, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained unto them. Peace gives solace. In the time of confusion, you don't have to worry about what the devil's going to do. I love the old black song that used to say, Praise the Lord, hallelujah. I don't care what the devil's going to do. Jesus is my sword and shield. He is the Lord of the way I feel. We don't have to worry about what the devil's doing. Peace gives us solace. It gives us calmness and comfort. The breath of the Almighty has given me life and spiritual power. He breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. He gives us a right as Christians not only to have the Holy Spirit to come into our life when we're born again, but He gives us the right as Christians to receive the fullness and the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. You have that right. You have that luxury as a child of God to that spiritual power. The authority of Christ gives us the right to present the gospel and tell people that once they are born again, their sins are without a doubt forgiven. He said, whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. And whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. It doesn't mean that we have the power to forgive sins. Jesus does. We cannot forgive sins. But i tell you what we can do. We can tell the sinner that once they're born again, they're forgiven. That saint is a forgiven. They're not just a poor sinner saved by grace. They're a sinner who was a sinner, and now they're saved by grace, and they have Jesus in their heart. They're not sinning anymore. Doesn't mean we never commit a sin and make a mistake. That means that we don't live in sin. We don't practice sin. We're not bound by sin. We can boldly and effectively, declaratively tell people through the authority of God's Word, your sins are forgiven. You have a right to go to heaven. Heaven is your home, not because of anything you have done, but because you've been forgiven. Verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. You better be careful if you're not where you're supposed to be when the Lord's there, because you're going to miss Him. The other disciples therefore said unto Him, We have seen the Lord. And He like said in our language, Ah, yet Lord, what Lord? But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He had three stipulations to be met before he would believe. How many people in our world, how many stipulations do they have? How many roadblocks have they set up before they'll believe? God's got to do this. If he do this, and he do that, and he does the other thing, then I might believe. It's like the people around the cross. Come down from the cross that we may see and believe. No, they wouldn't. If they didn't believe Him during His whole life, they wouldn't have believed Him if He had come down from the cross. That's what people today do. They set all these stipulations up. If God will heal my mother, if God will do this, if God will let my grandchild go to college, well, all you've got to do is just apply enough and they'll go whether God lets them go or not. They're going to be in college. You can't set stipulations on God. Thomas had three stipulations. He said, I've got to see the print in the nails in his hands. I've got to put my finger in there. 
That's the second one. And the third one, I got to thrust my hand into his side. He really went all out. He said, I've got to thrust my hand into his side then I, before I believe. After eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. Notice that again. When you're glorified, you don't have to open the door. When you're glorified, you can appear whether the door's open or not. The door being shut, he stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. His greeting and salutation was the same, and so were the results. Doubt was conquered and fear was overcome. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Without hesitating any more, Thomas explodes in declarative praise. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Is that our declaration today? Is that our confession? Will we proclaim like Thomas did, My Lord and my God. Or will we still be bound in unbelief? Because he didn't do exactly what I thought he ought to do. Because he didn't come when I thought he should have come. Because he didn't do things like I said. No, we need to declare just like Thomas and let Him be our Lord and our God. Is He our Savior today? Have we made Him our Lord today? Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen Me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. If you wait until you see, you will never believe. But if you believe without seeing, you will no doubt see what you believe. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples which are not written in this book. You don't have to have it every one written. Some people say that. Why are not more miracles written? Well, are there not enough miracles written already to cause us to believe? There are enough miracles in the Bible that if people would believe, the whole world could be saved this very day. You don't have to have more miracles written. There's more than enough written. It said not all the things that Jesus did were written, but all the things that were written were written so that we might believe. Right. Many other things did Jesus in the presence of His disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Uh -huh. The peace of Jesus is more than a quick fix band-aid. It is more than just a good story with a historical perspective. It provides the basis for the message of the gospel which alone leads people to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Yes. The peace of Jesus that passes all understanding. Yes. And that's why Paul said, May God keep your hearts and minds through the peace of God which passes all understanding. It is good that you have taken your time to listen. But the real question is, do you have this peace? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? He is just as close as the whisper of His name. The Peace of Jesus has been a production of Tony Broom Ministries.